I, I went vegetarian, then vegan, then paleo, then uh, carnivore or zero carb, the meat and water style. And that was about 2010. And then found Ray in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. I was just so massively impressed with his body of work. And then comparing it to, I always say this, and it's not in a perfect analogy, you know, but I think Ray is painting this gigantic painting with all these different colors. He's trying to explain all these different things like the PUFA, the lipid prostation, the prostaglandins, the hormones like estrogen, serotonin, personality, uh, what would cause insomnia, what would cause anger, like all these different things in like the biggest picture possible. And then when you compare those to like vegan kind of people or paleo people, I think they're asking much smaller questions, you know, and so I think they're arriving at different answers. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with our dear friend, Danny Roddy. For those that don't know Danny, he's an independent researcher and has been researching stress, hair loss, and aging since 2007. He authored the best-selling book, Hair Like a Fox, a bioenergetic view of patent hair loss, and he offers one-to-one coaching on Patreon. He also hosts a weekly podcast called Generative Energy. We actually became good friends with Danny in 2015 when we opened New Strength and dived headfirst into the world of Ray Pete and pro-metabolic eating. We absolutely love Danny. Not only is he knowledgeable, but he's just an all-round great guy. In this episode, we chat about developing a toolbox and gaining the right knowledge to improve your health, stress, how to live a pro-metabolic life, diet culture and how toxic it is, why listening to your body can help you get to where you want to be, why using temperature and pulse can give you key insights into your metabolic health, and so much more. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Danny Brody. Welcome to the podcast. We just love Danny. We've known him for like, well, since we opened the gym, we really started to get to know you. Hey, like five or six years ago. 2015 or something? It was a long time ago. Oh, we've had so many like lovely chats with Danny and it's always... Well, it's not bad, but we, him and I get on and same with Craig and we talk for like an hour before we actually ever do anything. And half the time we have to reschedule because we're just having this conversation. But even Craig and I, because Craig was chatting to, I don't know, yesterday, whenever it was. And I was saying like, it's just amazing, you know, over the years, Danny, like every time I talk to you, like your knowledge is just getting deeper and deeper and, you know, like you've really grown. I remember too, when I very first met you, I don't know if these are the right words or the right description, but you, it's not that you were scared, but you just didn't really get on and do videos and stuff. And now you're just like, you get on, you talk to everyone, you do your lives. Like you really, I don't know, like come out of your shell or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, uh, yeah, this stuff is not natural for me. So I never think of myself as a person that wants to be famous or anything. I almost feel like it's utilitarian. And so thankfully there's people like yourself, there's people like Emma, there's people talking about more people talking about Ray Pete these days, but uh, it was just kind of a, a feeling, feeling compelled that Ray was onto something and wanting to share the information. But man, getting on live streams and stuff, that's, that stuff is terrifying to me. And so I, I, I'm fortunate to have Georgie and to calm me down, you know, uh, but 
but yeah, that, it's utilitarian and it's become more fun over time. But you're right. It's, uh, those were big steps for me to take because, again, I have no aspirations to be like a, a personality in the health world. We've done so well because I know that like all the women in the program love you and they just all think that you're really cute as well, like really attractive. They're like, oh, get daddy. They're like, get daddy Roddy. Daddy Roddy on again. Oh, so funny. Well, you know, because they're all getting their sex drives back now because they're eating more food and feeling better. But yeah, we're grateful to have you as a friend, Danny, and grateful for your knowledge. And um, you're always so, so lovely to we always have a good old, a good old uh, chat. But yeah, I just wanted to get you on the podcast because we haven't had you on before. And, you know, I think anyone who's new to following us, get on and follow Danny. I'll put all the links to his everything that he has. And he's got a Patreon account too that you can actually donate to or there's all different options, hey, with the... Yeah, like, but I do like coaching through email and then coaching yeah. through uh, Skype. But they're really just conversations with people throwing out ideas and things like that. But if so, if somebody's interested in the content, they can always go to Instagram or YouTube. I'm on all the different channels and things. I know, and I'll put the links to everything down below so people can subscribe and uh, and like. But I just thought today, you know, you, you could um, tell us a bit more about your journey and, you know, how you found Ray Peak. Because like me and a lot of other women in our program, you have also done a lot of the different diets, restrictive diets. Yeah. So I think my navigating principle through everything was hair loss. And so uh, when I first got into it, I think it was like 2006 or, or seven, I was, uh, I naturally gravitated to veganism. Mm. And so I was uh, making uh, pad thai noodles every day, pouring big things of uh, peanut oil in a wok and then making pad thai. Like it was my thing to make pad thai every day for some bizarre reason. And so that was my first, uh, foray into the health world. But fast forwarding through that, I think uh, I, I went vegetarian, then vegan, then paleo, then uh, carnivore or zero carb, the meat and water style. And that was about 2010. And then found Ray in like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. I was just so massively impressed with his body of work. And then comparing it to I always say this, and it's not in a perfect analogy, you know, but I think Ray is painting this gigantic painting with all these different colors. He's trying to explain all these different things like the PUFA, the lipid peroxidation, the prostaglandins, the hormones like estrogen, serotonin, personality, uh, what would cause insomnia, what would cause anger, like all these different things in like the biggest picture possible. And then when you compare those to like vegan kind of people or paleo people, I think they're asking much smaller questions, you know, and so I think they're arriving at different answers. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, but not only is the question, Ray, or the bioenergetic approach, uh, the question's bigger, but I just am kind of fascinated with Ray himself as this kind of mysterious <laughs> figure, humanitarian that spends all his time just uh, helping other people and asking nothing in return. And so that spoke to me as well, because as you know, you go through the health world and people are kind of um, helping you with, um, I don't know what the right phrase is. They're helping you for a thousand dollars an hour or something and telling you stuff that you already know. So uh, yeah, going through all that, going through all those different dietary phases, arriving at Ray, thinking he was onto something, but his, his ideas being so fringe, like pro dairy, pro sugar and all those things. And it took me a while to get there because I had to fail at all those other diets uh, in the, in the meantime to, to arrive at him. I think too, you know, like, and maybe why people struggle or women struggle is because it's not a quick fix too. 
you know, like a lot of those other diets, you can get some quick results in either suppression of different symptoms or you'll lose weight quickly. Because I think women are either trying to do it, like I was always trying to be healthy and I was always trying to be skinny. Um, and, you know, you could get some quick, quick results. But with this, the healing and the improvement in metabolism and balancing your hormones, it sometimes too, you can go backwards and you can actually feel worse before you feel better. So I think some people are like, oh God, you know, I'm not feeling better instantly or, you know, I don't look like I want to look instantly. So it can be really challenging um, to stay the path. Yeah. Well, uh, two references come to mind. One's by Constance R. Martin and the other one's from Hans Selye. But they both basically say that people can get addicted to cortisol pills because it makes them feel so amazing. And they say, I think the verbatim, it's, they can, it can cause euphoria and extreme well-being, followed by psychic depression and suicidal tendencies. And so that's the rub. It's um, like when somebody says they were eating whatever and then it, they got on a carnivore diet and now they feel amazing. I believe them. I totally believe yeah. them. You know, And I, I, think, uh, I think some of the people in the diet scene are familiar with the this term of like, or, or saying of lo- a short-term gain, gain, long-term pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think like, I, I don't know if you follow the carnivore world, but a lot of people are defecting right, right about now until the, yeah. the big yeah. wig, wig carnivore people are, are all defecting at basically the same time. And so it's just, uh, <laughs> it's a wild scene of people getting in touch with themselves and, uh, and, and figuring out what is health and, and what isn't health. And so Again, that's why I like these kind of objective measurements of things like the body temperature, the pulse mm-hmm. rate, and all the things you, you talk about, the sleep, the libido. Even the libido is highly subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, and, and even being in an extreme stress state can cause a manic interest in sex. And yeah. so, all these things are very complicated. And so, yeah, but and sometimes figuring out those, those problems is like a lifelong journey. You know, I, like I'm, I'm sure you have a similar experience, but sometimes I'm talking to somebody one, two, three, four times, and they'll share that they have like a, a terrible trauma in their life, you know? And then Ray said that just growing up in kind of a Westernized society was traumatizing to some degree. <laughs> and so I think, we're, I think we're all trying to overcome the environment we are in. And uh, I think everybody can stop the facade that, they're, they've attained perfect health and, you know, and they don't need to, and then you can obtain their perfect health. If you just do steps one through 10, I think that's kind of the facade of the health world and it's not really real. And I think, I think uh, the sooner everybody realizes we're all kind of going through the same thing or we're all sick with the same problem, the culture, the food, all the, the air, the water and things, I think the sooner we can all kind of move forward uh, figuring these things out. I really, uh, you know, I like that too, about this, style I guess I don't know you call it living eating I don't know being is it's not about like eat this this is the perfect diet it's about (laughs) you know here is here is how you measure if it's working for you you know like that because whenever I did some of these other diets you know we've got that list the temperature and pulse the sleep digestion moon energy menstrual cycle skin quality um some of the things would be good and other things would be bad so it's I could never ever get all of them to be ticked Whereas here, you know, I've really, and like you say, again, it's not perfect. Like I'm still going on a journey. You just got the implants out and I was just talking to you about that. And, you know, I think, um, and, you know, there'll be different stages of your life where, you know, our business is is busy and it's stressful and we've got saturated now. And there's times, you know, like this year when I've just got too sucked into it and I've been training too much and not being as diligent with my food and fueling my body. And then 
all my symptoms, like I got worse, you know, I, I was starting to feel tired and my temper and pulse are dropping, but it's good because now I can recognize it and go, you've just put in too much stress on your body, kitty. You've got to, you've got to get rid of some of that stress. So dull the training back a bit more, eat a bit more food. You know, it's, it's good now because I know what to do and I under, understand what everything means and I feel so much more empowered and in control of my health. You know, I think, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but in that period where I was just, you know, I was doing some bloody training program that I shouldn't, too much volume, too high intensity, because I'm kidding, you know, I like to push things to the max. <laughs> Wasn't being as diligent with my food and, you know, I just, it just was too much, you know, over three month um, period. And then my menstrual cycle shortened and I started to get some cramps. I'm like, uh, kitty, this isn't good. This is a sign, you know, that you know, and now I've been really focusing on, really diligent with my food you know trying to take a bit more breaks and you know finishing a bit early you know just being more diligent with everything and lowering stress and now my temps and pulses are good my periods back to its normal length no more cramps you know like it's just it's 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 so empowering know that knowing that you can control this stuff like yeah i think that's a combination of finding information that actually makes sense and then developing a toolbox uh, because things are going to change, you know, mm. it's like winter here. And so I know I'm sure I'm sure not everybody takes thyroid or whatever, but I increased my thyroid dose when it got colder. Okay. Mm. And you just mm. like figure that out over a period of time of using that. And so again, you could increase your aspirin dose or eat more mm. protein or eat more carbohydrate, whatever made the person feel better. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, again, it's the standard idea is like, oh, just eat from this list and follow these things and you should be, you should be fixed and, and all your problems should go away. Like, I really think that's what a lot of dietary people were selling. Mm-hmm. And Ray's stuff is, I, I, I feel like it's a more of a, a good information about how the body works, the physiology, and being able to uh, measure those things in real time. So if the temperature and pulse are low, that's like a real-time measurement that the stress hormones or stress substances or whatever are probably functionally higher at that time. So you could just make a wild guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, again, having that toolbox because things are going to change throughout your health adventure and being able to maneuver in different directions when they change, I think is kind of the coup de gras. That's the, that's the really beautiful part about this and not, not thinking that you're just static and you're, you're at sickness and then you reach health and then you never, mm-hmm go back down because the environment's always changing. Like just today, they announced the crazy news, you know, that I don't want to get your pod, podcast like banned, but anyways, very stressful news for some people about Pfizer and biotech and all these, yeah. I don't know if you caught the news, but, um, but anyways, the culture is so stressful. And so you got to find ways to mitigate the stress of the culture. Cause it's just, it's, we're living through a period where it's just ramping up and in your face of how crazy things are. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I like about it too is, and you know, one thing that I just love, I know we both love Emma um, <laughs> is like, really, it's not just food. It's not just supplements, not just training, but there's like, you know, relationships and, you know, do you have, do you have friends? Do you have good connections with your family? Do you have a good relationship with your partner? Are you doing fulfilling work? You know, are you getting out into the sun and having like, f- I don't know, fun time? And I, it's, I really have to like, I'm a pretty intense person, you know, like I love, love to work and love to build. And I often have to like pull myself back and be like, hey, come on, you know, you, you and Craig got to stay connected, got to make sure you're having sex, you know, like just a <laughs> bit of a like one way. Um, but, you know, it's also those parts to life that make you happy as well and healthy. Like I know there's been times in the business when, 
just been sitting on a decision or something's been stressing me out and I just am not sleeping very well and eating the same food, doing me right, then as soon as I let something go or make a decision, I sleep straight through the night. Yeah, yeah. Carl Rogers said something like people are like as beautiful as sunsets if you just let them be. You know, and our culture is kind of the complete opposite of that. They're they're saying like if somebody doesn't agree with you a hundred percent, you need to like uh, impose on them your point of view until they uh, uh, fall to your will. You know, and so it's a complete opposite of what, of what the culture is telling you to do. But also, I think there's a Maslow quote where he says the only p- happy people I know are the ones do, uh, doing work that they enjoy or, or are they find meaningful and like how many people can really say that like I feel so 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 fortunate to be to be able to live doing the thing I love and I'm sure you feel the same way you know it's uh, but but I mean how many like clients or people have you talked to that just like, absolutely hate their job you know I knew people in San Francisco that um I think they were they worked for Twitter and there was like a stock option that if you just kept working there for like each month, your stock would get a little bit higher. And so the, the, some of the people I knew just hated their jobs like so much, but they would just stay because the stock options would increase and increase. Like I'm 35. I feel like my life is flying, flying by, you know? And so to waste it years of your life doing something you hate is just um, unimaginable to me. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. That's the same. Like when I worked in mining, yeah, they call it the golden handcuffs. <laughs> because like the money was so good and like the benefits were so good and you know I remember working there just when I had been with Craig I think it'd be about six months and I was just miserable like I just really hate hated it but I mean look I'm grateful for the opportunity because I earned good money and allowed us to buy the, the gym and invest in our business but in the end I was just I just hated it you know and I just hated going to work I will say one thing if you offered my salary to my friends they'd laugh in my face but <laughs> But, but I, I, I do appreciate not having a, a boss or anything. But again, I, I know this is harder said than done. And so I'm not saying, oh, quit your job. Go do whatever you want or whatever. I know it's, that's fairly difficult. But just something that, to think about is influencing yeah. the person's health that's not typically thought about. I think though, like, you know, and again, because I've been in relationships too that I've, and I'm sure you have as well, where you haven't been happy. And you think about like my ex-husband, he was a good man, but I just wasn't happy. But he, I thought, you know, on paper, he good job you know house would be a good dad but I just you know wasn't really truly in love with him and didn't really feel connected and it just in the end it was I just tortured myself you know um and obviously it's easier to stay but and it's harder to leave but I'm so glad that I did you know I I, I would much rather go through the pain of change and stay in the same thing, torturing yourself years and, for years and years and years. I'm going to butcher another Maslow quote, but it's like he has one that says, like, you'll either step into uh, growth or step back into safety. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's like, again, that's another cultural thing. You know, just like uh, staying because it's safe and not risky, you know, and also like being associated with people that are obviously toxic in your life. I probably took that to too much of an extent. You know, I live alone in Mexico, but like at the, at the same time, like one of my reasons leaving San Francisco was that um, in 2016, there was that crazy presidential election. I thought it was just making everybody crazy. And so I was like, you know, I, 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 uh, I, um, uh, I like personal development, you know, if it's not happening anymore and all my friends want to talk about Hillary and Trump and that's not really interesting to me, I'm going to try to leave and go somewhere else. And so, so yeah, I <laughs> belabor the beat the dead horse of um, 
trying to figure out all the things in the person's life, not just nutrition that's kind of contributing to illness. And sometimes that's way more complex than um, uh, you, I think you'll figure those, those things out just uh, working with the toolbox, like in, increasing the energy might allow a person to perceive something in their life that they didn't originally think was an issue. And I think it, it makes it easier to face those issues and fears and things head on because you feel stronger mentally and physically. So you're like, okay, because I have a lot of women say that to me in our program, you know, they're like, oh, I came in for weight loss, but I've had this incredible life transformation because it's just been so much more than that because there's all these things that I was was just pushing to the side that I just didn't have the strength to deal with. But now I feel good. I feel strong, you know, physically, mentally. And now they've left partners or changed. I'm not saying everyone's going to leave their bloody partner, but, you know, like, (laughs) It's just all, all they face them like really deep demons in their relationship or whatever. And they're like finally free. Um, and I think probably that's why you and I like it and Emma and all the other people that, you know, love Ray and his work. It's like, I just feel like, like once you heal this relationship with food, you, you just open the door to heal all other parts of yourself and your, and your life. Um, and that to me is, it's like, that's why we call it our program Win at Life. Because we just want to help you win at life. You know, whatever that looks like for you. But I really feel like if I was still doing all the stupid diets, I wouldn't obviously be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and, and you're totally right. Food is a great starting point. Like you can't automatically quit your job, like divorce your spouse if they're toxic or whatever, or uh, abandon your family or anything. Like, uh, again, food is a great starting place in that you have to eat, you know, you have to eat something. So, Again, Ray, I'm going to keep quoting people. Ray has a longer quote saying something like the effort needed to work on nutrition, light and hormones is similar to the effort needed to work with a a therapist. And they're kind of similar, like it's a therapy changing little aspects of your life that have been atrophied by living in an authoritarian culture. I think that's what he Mm. says in that quote. Maybe um, because, you know, there'll be some people who are listening to this that are quite new to Ray's work. And could you just talk about, you know, like thyroid and metabolism and why it all comes back to, you know, like fixing the system. Because I think a lot of diets, they just focus on symptoms. You know, mm-hmm. they're not looking at, at the body as a whole and fixing that. Yeah, yeah. So I, the way I understand it is Ray's thesis is like energy and structure are interdependent at uh, every level. And I think it's the idea that the cell is the smallest unit of life and cells build, uh, form your tissues and tissues form your organs and organs form you. And uh, thyroid hormone is a cofactor for not only mitochondrial respiration, but also the synthesis of the, the youth associated sex hormones like uh, pregnenolone, progesterone and DHEA. So that's why thyroid is so critical. And in an old interview with Gary Knoll, Ray really lays it down talking about how thyroid is the thing that made us human and what differentiates us from fungi and bacteria and, th- and things like that. He, go- he goes really deep into it for anybody that's interested. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also, I think, what gives us like our, our higher functions and makes our uh, uh, brains be able to like, consume glucose and uh, what, what makes cells be able to consume oxygen and glucose and do the whole mitochondrial respiration process of transferring electrons through the cells and, ma- and making carbon dioxide, uh, water, and ATP. And so, uh, in short, I think when that process stalls, you start degrading uh, under the stress of life over a long period of time. 
And that can manifest into every health problem under the sun. It can even manifest into like a a pessimistic or bad attitude, (laughs) like something kind of trivial that people don't associate as a, as a pathological problem. And so, yeah, energy or structure are interdependent at every level. And you can't really talk about mitochondrial metabolism or the production of ATP water and carbon dioxide or consuming oxygen and, and, and sugar without talking about thyroid hormones. So that's why it's so integral. Like your, your mitochondria need active thyroid hormone, the triiodothyronine, to function correctly mm-hmm. and to produce the hormones that protect us from stress. And so when those hormones are underproduced, I, I think we're more susceptible to the effects of cortisol and estrogen and serotonin, aldosterone, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's also, it's so fascinating. And obviously like, you know, when you first, and I don't understand it at a deep, deep level like like you. And but I think one of the things that's really served me well, which we try to teach women in our program, is just like listen to your body. Like listen to like that for me now, it's just I feel so good because I just rest when I'm tired. You know, I eat more when I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, I know when, you know, I know when my blood sugar is low. I know when I need to eat more more food you know I know what foods work for me and work for my body and make my digestion feel great um you know and yeah so it's just, the, the great thing is that that whole like complicated <laughs> convoluted mess of respiration can be measured like the the process of transferring electrons through the cells to oxygen makes heat and so a person should be warm like that's a basic sign of health I think and so the, again the, the you've talked about a hundred thousand times but just being warm is a way to simplify that whole mess and to know whether your metabolism is being kind of dictated by thyroid or the stress hormones, which tend to lower, lower the body temperature. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, and you can really like, and this is what I love about it too, is you can do things and measure your temp and pulse and just see the direct result of it. And, and you get that good fe- feedback and you, you can, and I see with women, like they'll start, and then they'll slowly start, they'll eat more and they'll stop training so much. And, you know, they'll stop taking bloody HRT or the pill and all of these, stop drinking so much. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I can see my temperature and pulse going up and I can, I'm starting to feel warmer and I'm starting to sleep better and I'm ha- I've got more energy now and I feel more balanced. And so you can actually, it's like you're taking it into your own hands. You know, yeah. I'm like, don't, don't believe me, you know, like just test it yourself. Um, and you've got to do it. I think like it's some, for some women, especially if you've dieted for a long time, you know, it, it, it takes time. Like it's, it can be, it can be frustrating. Like I see women come into our program and they're like, oh, you know, especially to when they're focused on how they look like it's, you know, you're obviously not a woman. Um, but I think we, we get so focused on the scales and for so long, I was just all about the weight, the body weight, like. I had to be 62 kilos, you know, and now I just don't even care about the weight. Like sometimes my weight's higher, sometimes it's lower. Like it's just not even, it's, it doesn't even matter to me anymore. What matters now is how I feel and can I train and, you know, do I have energy and just do I feel good? And I think, you know, y- your body's naturally, if you be consistent and eat consistently, and then if you obviously want to look muscular, you got to strength train, but like, I feel like I look the best I ever have, but it's just because I'm consistent doing the basic stuff, you know? Like, I'm not, like, going, oh, I really want to be muscular. I really want to be lean or whatever. I'm just going, okay, how do I feel? I just need to eat really consistently. I strength train consistently because I enjoy it. I get sun. And therefore, my skin looks good. 
my body composition looks good, you know, like it's, it's just, it, 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 but I think if you're listening to this as a woman, it can be really hard initially because all you just, you're so tired and you're so exhausted and you're just so focused on that bloody, I don't know. Do you work with many women? Do you ever get many yeah, women? That are, yeah, I, I think yeah. I meet, work with like half and half uh, to butcher another Abraham Maslow quote. I think he said to, what's necessary to change a person is the awareness of themselves and so I think that's why the pulse rate and kind of uh, putting the food into chronometer, if they have no idea, like how to kind of eyeball food of protein, carbohydrate, and fat is such a good idea because I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people, and I'm, I'm the, I was the same way, you know, like they don't understand how compromised their health is. Yeah. And so if somebody is saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm solely about weight, weight loss, you know, that's like my main prerogative. But, but again, if they have a pulse rate of, um, I don't know, 50, and a temperature of 36 or something like that. That's like really low thyroid function. Like that's, that's serious hypothyroidism. And so again, bringing those to the surface and saying, Hey, yeah, you, you definitely, I'm sure it would be great to lose weight and stuff, but your stress systems are so ramped up and mm-hmm. there's such a competition between glucose and fat in your blood that uh, I think fat gain is going to be very likely in this situation. There's a paper, I'm forgetting the author's is, is, is name starts with an M, but he sa- basically says the middle age weight gain is uh, like a mild Cushing syndrome, which is a excess of cortisol, like a mild hypercorticalism. So higher levels of cortisol. Mm. And so that's going to, it's going to be very difficult to gain or lose weight for a long period of time. If you don't get the, the cortisol and the other associated hormones lower mm. and, and the, the starting place for that would be trying to increase your thyroid function. So again, bringing those things to the surface and, and trying to make the person again, I, I'm not saying I'm perfectly aware of myself or whatever, but just trying to get basic ideas uh, or basic metrics of, of health, I think are important. And once you see those things, they're hard to unsee, you know, <laughs> like if oh, you know okay. that your pulse and temperature are low, it's hard to ignore that after the fact. I think too, when you start to feel better, you can never go back. You know, yeah. you can't go back to doing that. And I think a lot of women, and I still know, and look, everyone's got to go on their own journey. And I was the same, but I really have had to go, Kitty, you're never going to be at that weight again. <laughs> That's not going to be who you're never, ever going to be 62 kilos. Like I threw away all my small clothes, um, you know, and because there's some women that are really small and they're like, oh, I put on weight, but I'm like, you need to put weight on. Not everyone's the same. Like there's some women obviously who have put a lot of body fat on who may need to lose body fat to get to a healthier body fat level. But there's a lot of women who are tiny and have got this like, Oh, fucked up body image because I know I used to be the same it's like I have to be tiny I want to be tiny but it's sort of I think something that really helped me is this constant reminder of who I want to be what's important to me and how I felt when I looked like that and when I was small and it's like there is not you couldn't pay me enough to, to, to go back I don't care how good I looked or how shredded or whatever like it, I mean I don't even think I looked that good back then I was pretty skinny <laughs> but you know do you know what I mean it's like accepting that you've got to let your body fall at the weight that I don't know, like whatever's healthy for you. Like, and that's going to be different for everyone. And that's why we try and, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what the scales say. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's a bit of a head fuck. It's it's really, it's, I don't, I, and you know, like it's taken me a long time to get here. You know, it's a, it's a journey, I think. And, you know, like everyone's just got to go on their own journey. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, in, in a way, I feel really fortunate to have cared about my hair and not my weight because I would have arrived at a completely different spot, you, you know. But I, I early on, because I, I maybe I'm like overly sensitive or I'm very in touch with how I feel, you know, and you know that from talking mm. to me so long. Mm. But like, I knew that some things were worse than not having your perfect body, you know, like being suicidally depressed or, or on a spectrum of depression. And I've talked, you know, I've talked to people with Adonis physiques that were telling me suicide was like a viable option. You know what I mean? So, so I'm just saying like um, emotional stuff, uh, uh, that can be like that again, that can be addressed with good nutrition, vitamin D, et cetera, like things like thyroid or whatever. But, um, Again, uh, again, this is like a toxic culture thing of telling you you need to look a certain way. Again, I'm not saying gain a bunch of weight like that's necessary. I'm yeah. just saying there are there are ways to approach thing uh, approach things like intelligently thinking about your health and maintaining your faculties in the process and not running on stress and in like a short term gain, long term pain mm. kind of situation. Yeah, and I think it's like it's, and I know I keep going back to women, but I'm sure men have the same <laughs> issues, but it's really constantly challenging yourself and your beliefs around why you think you need to look like that or why you think you need to be small because, and I have these conversations with women in the program, oh, Kitty, I've gained weight. And I'm like, you're 60 fucking kilos. I'm like, you're <laughs> tiny. You're still tiny even with the weight you've gained. You know, like you need to dig a bit deeper and, and, and really try and understand what it, why do you need to be this certain weight? Why do you need to be this certain body fat? And I've, it's taken me a, a long time to, you know, like even just talking about the boobs, like now, you know, obviously I've took some photos of the before with the big boobs and they looked re- really good, like round and full. And then obviously now <laughs> I've had them out. They're sort of like, there's looks like there's divots in them. And this me six years ago would have been like, oh, I fucking hate these. Like, there's no way. Like, that's why I got them in because I just thought I needed to look better. I would look better. But now that I've got them out, I look at them and I'm just like, I'm really happy and grateful for my natural boobs now. And I just, I feel good about them. I don't think, oh God, I need to go and get a lift or I need to get anything. I'm just really grateful for them to be natural and, and healthy, um, you know. I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's a process. Um, like my friend Karen, she said the Ray should put like a warning label on his work that it will make you think differently about everything. And I think that's really true, you know. And I think uh, I think you pay a person pays the price for breaking from conformity, and some people aren't really willing to to do to do that. But like people like you and me, probably way more <laughs> willing. Uh, like uh, like I'm a total bum, you know. I don't I don't I don't necessarily care. Uh, I don't put a lot of effort into what I look like per like per se. But it's like because I I feel like because some things are way more important to me. Like that's like the lowest on the list. Yeah. And so, again, I'm not saying anybody has to be a bum like myself, but it's just, uh, I think it starts reprioritizing things that are really important to a person rather than trying to like f- so much energy to fit into the culture of, of total insanity. And so once you kind of disregard that, you can kind of start becoming who you really are, I think. Mm, and I think too, like, well, I gave up a long time ago. And I don't know how to articulate this, but like trying to look like someone else. Like now I just think, be the best version of you, whatever that may look like. Like, you know, and, and you say, oh, I still like like putting makeup on and I love clothes. Like I've always loved clothes. Like, I don't know, maybe I feel like it's an, a bit of an extension or an expression of myself. So, you know, like not that we get dressed up on the weekend all the time, but if we ever go out to dinner or like have got, you know, beautiful tops and I really enjoy like getting dressed up and like Craig will be like, oh, you look so sexy. And, you know, but 
I think now it's about going like wearing the clothes that flatter my body and being happy with the bo- like I have really big shoulders and a big back like a lot of women are like oh you're so muscular but I'm happy because I'm for me this is the best version of me and I think that's what you've got to do for yourself it's like stop trying to look like someone else just be the happiest and healthiest version of you and that's so unique you know and I still look at other women who've got big boobs and who get Botox and admire their beauty because I think you know I'm not going to be one of those women running around going oh fucking everyone needs to get their boobs out something you just got to do what's right for you um you know but I think when you're more happier in yourself you can look at other women and other people and you know, like I think you're really handsome, Danny. Like all the girls and women in our program think you're really handsome. For somebody who doesn't put much effort into himself, but you know what I mean. Like I think, like it's I don't know. I think it's just this fine balance. It's okay to care what you look like and want to feel comfortable in your skin, but I think not at the expense of everything, <laughs> of your health and you know your life and starving yourself to be I don't know fifteen percent body fat because you think that that's attractive, you know. Hundred percent, and and Instagram isn't helping. I don't think. <laughs> oh God, no! It's the worst. It's like so. It's like all picture perfect, and you know, it's when I uh, when I was in the sur- surgeon getting the boobs out, I was just asking them about like because um, where he works, it's it's like a, a I'm like a spa, but they do like injectables and stuff. And I was just talking to the lady, and she's like. Well, it's like women coming in for boob jobs at 20 and getting like heaps of Botox and lip fillers at 20. And I, like, oh my God. I met some people recently that were in their early 20s and had Botox. I actually, I, I, I should have read this article. I, I didn't know we were going to talk about it, but there was like a Botox article because that's used in male hair loss. And I researched it a little bit and it like kills nerves when it's injected. It does some like ir- irreparable damage. And so it seems... So, like such a bad idea to start doing that stuff, especially so young, you know? Mm. And um, yeah. And again, that kind of ties back to like thyroid function and energy and structure, maintaining a person's kind of coherence. Like for myself, I notice uh, since I'm kind of a reluctant filmer of myself and I, I have like a catalog of videos, I notice like asymmetry in my face when I'm taking or not taking rather thyroid. And then it will kind of, become more coherent when I am taking. And so those like subtle beauty things or whatever you want to call them, uh, I think are associated with your health, your general health, you know? Mm. And so um, Emma, I think is a, you, uh, there's somebody else who's kind of repeat inspired that does beauty stuff, but like, I don't think, I know it's maybe sounds trite, but like beauty comes from the inside. You know, I think that's probably true. (laughs) I think like when you're, fueling your body and and giving it nutrient-dense food like your skin like you were saying to me like you just look glowing like your skin looks good you look happy you're not puffy you know I think you just like look healthy I don't know maybe and, and obviously you're, it's your energy too when you're feeling good you put off this good energy as well you know and and even Craig says that to me he's like oh it's just so much more he's like obviously I'm attracted to you like your partner you're attracted to and he's like, I love it that you're strong and athletic. I love that athletic physique. But he's like, I love it's your energy that I love and how you are around me. And, you know, like, you know, there's probably like there's a million other women more attractive than me. You know what I mean? But it's obviously that specific energy that you're attracted to that makes you just love them so much. I don't know, this is going a bit off track, but I think you're right. <laughs> about the 
about the, like when you when you're just feeling really good internally, you just project this better energy, healthier energy. I don't know. Yeah, we could take this a million different places, but like again, the health sphere, you see so much kind of unwellness and kind of the um, like just on Twitter. Like sometimes I'll search Ray Pete just to see what people are saying about him. And there'll be other people saying like Ray Pete's an idiot. He's, he's the dumbest person in the world and stuff. It's like, um, like I, <laughs> like I, I want it. I like, I, I think some people engage with kind of silly ideas, but to like publicly announce how, like, uh, okay, let me take this back a second. I used to be real critical of the bulletproof coffee guy. And I think I even made a video in 2015 kind of like it, with anger and spite that I really didn't like him. And I, I, I thought he was getting so much praise, you know, and I'm like, when people, people like Ray Pete exists, why do people follow bulletproof coffee, man? And, but that video is totally made it motivated out of like anger and kind of like um, wanting to be smarter than him. And it was real, it was like a pathological video that I had made. And only years later was I like, I, I took it down, but I was like, that was clearly an unhealthy act to do. You know, I'm not saying somebody can't be critical of another person, but um, you see that so often in the health world of people being really nasty towards each other. That's not necessarily a sign of health, you know, empathy and f feeling, um, trying to relate to somebody on a basic level. I think that's a sign of health, but people don't normally talk about that. And, um, everybody's just trying to feel better in a really bad environment and we're being poisoned all the time. You know, that's, that's the groundwork and everybody's because our systems have failed us so thoroughly our institutions, everybody's trying to go to these alternative ideas of veganism, low carb, bulletproof coffee, <laughs> carnivore, and we're trying to find answers. And so I'm just a, a, a cheerleader for Ray's bioenergetic approach, who, again, is following in the lineage of Albert St. Georgie, Otto Warburg, William F. Koch, a, lo like a, lo a long list of other people who thought similarly of this kind of energy stress idea, Hans Selye. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, that's keeps me interested and motivated to, to, to talk to people. And it's interesting idea that hasn't become boring yet, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, again, just to understate there, I think there's a lot of unwellness uh, in the, the health world. Also people wanting to be a, like kind of authorities to other people like Kitty, you know, if you just followed everything that I, I said, you'd be way better off. Like that is a total act of sickness, I think. And that is so common as well. I think, mm -hmm. I think in maybe our position, the goal should always be to try to uh, provide the person with as much information to promote agency and kind of self-knowledge. Because I think that's the goal at the end of the day is to try to allow the person or give the person the tools or to be there for the person to allow them to become, become autonomous. Mm -hmm. And any other method, I don't think it really works in the long run. Yeah, just like find what makes you happy, you know what I mean? Like, fact. Like, I love strength training, obviously, but I'm like, I, you don't have to strength train. Obviously, like, goal-specific, if you your goal is to have big muscles or to look, you know, more athletic, you've got to strength train. But, you know, like, if you don't like strength training, just, you know, go find some activity that you enjoy. Like, I don't know, learn how to dance or, I don't know, <laughs> learn how to do karate or something. Like, I, I really feel like, like, find something that you feel passionate about and you want to get better at you know, and that you enjoy the progression of it. Like not just, I'm just doing exercise just to lose weight, you know, cause it's not that like, for me, I love the strength training because I just really enjoy the art of it. The getting stronger, the beating the PBs, the getting better at the technique. It's really exciting to me. Um, but not everyone's like that, you know, 
Like I've got friends. I've got this friend who's like does the skating. Like is it roller derby? You know, like when they got the skates. And I'm like, that would be so cool. I mean, I would fall flat on my face. <laughs> I mean, I do think strength training is really beneficial for bone density and as you age and, you know, but I think just find activity that you like. Yeah. And again, not to go too down a rat hole, but the a lot of the health world is saying health should be pain. So health should be fasting or health should be low carbing and not obeying kind of cravings to carbohydrate and and um, what was the other thing? Uh, yeah, it's about denying yourself things and that makes you healthy. And so we're, we kind of have the complete opposite approach of trying to do things that you actually like uh, with, within reason, I guess, that aren't like metabolically. Of course. Yeah, because I always say to women, like, because women will be like, oh, yeah, I always say, look, be specific with your goal. So like if your goal is I really want to improve my metabolism, which means, you know, I've got to get my temperature and pulse from here to here. I want to improve my sleep, my menstrual cycle. Then you need to be specific. You can't mm-hmm. run six days a week. You can't strength train six days a week. You have to eat more, you, you know? So it's like, I think it's, I find a lot of women will have competing goals, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to go, well, what's the most important thing to me right now? And I need to do things that are going to get me closer to that, which may mean in the short term that, you know, some women have to give up strength training. Some have to dial back their exercise. I, I do believe that you can be a healthy athlete. You can. You know, I would say that I'm an athlete, you know, heavy strength training, but you have to be diligent. You have to build that foundation first, I think, you know, and if you, like, if you want to lift or if you want to, I guess, be any sort of athlete, like, you have to feel your body. You have to make that commitment to yourself. Otherwise, you'll just go backwards. Yeah, the progression of, of learning might be something like learning a language and, and yeah. tell that to somebody. I think if anybody has ever tried to learn another language and they're as dumb as I am, they know that it's very slow process. Like my Spanish is embarrassingly bad for how long I've been in, in Mexico. But like I, I think learning your own body is like a, a foreign language and nobody really a rare amount of people would think they could pick that up really quickly. Everybody knows to be like fluent. It would take years of, of attention and practice. And so, so again, that's the, again, the, the health world, there are lots of people promoting quick fixes and stuff. And so they kind of undermine that concept. But um, I think the, the language is a good kind of, uh, would that be an analogy? I don't know. The yeah, analogy. I so. I, you know, that's what I, I love about the data as well. Cause I feel like for me, it's, you can't run away from it. Like you can't, it, it's there, it's smack bang in your face. It's, you know, cause I've been in places where I'm like, oh, I still want to train more and I don't want to be as diligent, but the data is clearly showing me that I need to. And I can have to get, makes you face the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think like that's you, a, you can't a great... run away from it. You've just got to go, fuck, like I've got to make some changes or I've got to accept where I'm at. Yeah. No, I, I think that's important yeah, because, because again, if you're not tracking anything, I think, but person, everybody's susceptible to just being kind of like a bag in the wind of flowing from direction to direction of having good days and bad days and not understanding why uh, they're having those bad days. Did I already say Ray had a quote saying you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you are? I think I did. Say no, that you already. haven't said that. That's a good one. <laughs> that is that is so true. Yeah. 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 I think that's I think that's so important to again, if you don't know that you, you have a terrible metabolism, then, then it's like uh, you have to bring that to the person's attention or it's just going to yeah. be difficult and to figure out where they're going. And it's not like you have to do it forever. Like it's not like you have to track your food, track your temper pulse, track everything forever. It's just such 
so useful in the beginning to help you and guide you and show you what you need to do and then get that feedback about whether or not what you're doing is working or maybe you need to change something else. And like you say, you can't run away from it. And then again, I agree. And then somebody could take the extra step of going to get lab tests for TSH, total cholesterol, Mm -hmm. prolactin, vitamin D, did I say parathyroid hormone, serum phosphorus, reverse Mm -hmm. T3, lactic acid, and those things could further kind of help a person construct real dietary interventions. For example, if the parathyroid hormone was high or the prolactin is high, Mm -hmm. simple interventions like vitamin D or calcium or vitamin K, those could help lower those things. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, because I I think the, some people think the pulse and the temperature are a little esoteric. So merging the lab tests with the pulse and temperature and then the symptoms could Mm -hmm. be a really, really great way to have a kind of a clear roadmap of what's going on. Mm. And actually this leads me into our next, the next question. Morley Robbins, what do you think about him? Because I know we've had some discussions before because I feel like a lot of the people who sort of follow the work of Ray Pete are really getting into Morley Robbins. So I would just, I haven't watched a ton of interviews with him, only a few, maybe like two or three interviews with him. I would say, so I know he's a pretty anti-vitamin D. (laughs) So starting from a experiential point of view, I, to everybody listening, this should take with a grain of salt. But I feel like I've solved like major health problems with vitamin D. And so, for example, a few times over the last like uh, 10 years, I've had like serious inflammatory bowel issues mm-hmm. and vitamin D multiple times had, had single handedly made that go away in larger doses. Mm-hmm. So and there have been other things like my mood was just kind of melancholy for no reason at all, even when I was laying out in the sun. And then I was like, well you know how associated vitamin D is with kind of depression or melancholia. Why don't you increase your vitamin D? And I would do that. And it would, it would just make me feel happy for no reason. I kind of get back to work spontaneously, get back to work. Mm. And so, uh, so there are lots of things like that experiential, but as I understand their argument, they're talking about focusing on something called active vitamin D calcitriol. Mm. And I'm, I hope I'm steel manning their argument right now. If I'm getting this wrong, please email me or message me. But as I understand it, they're talking about focusing on active vitamin D, which is called calcitriol. And uh, there's, that sounds like something really important, right? Active vitamin D, that sounds like the best form of vitamin D. And they're saying to uh, that taking colocalciferol, which is vitamin D3, uh, the kind that people normally supplement is the storage form, which is stored in your liver. And that's, that's, they're saying that that's harmful and excess or causes calcification and other problems apparently. And which is odd because if anybody's familiar with Ray Pete, he talks about parathyroid hormone and things like prolactin, which are prolactin is a pituitary hormone. Parathyroid hormone is released from four glands in in close proximity in the back of your thyroid. Mm. And so those tend to break down the bone and release calcium into the blood and the high parathyroid hormone in prolactin and the the breaking down the bone and releasing calcium into the blood is actually uh, the thing that drives the soft tissue calcification where you don't want calcium. And then that can turn on nitric oxide and all these bad things. So this is why Ray is so kind of um, focused on calcium. Like he's always talking about getting like 2000 milligrams of calcium and getting your vitamin D. It's to lower the parathyroid hormone, the prolactin and all the associated hormones like serotonin, aldosterone. And so with their argument saying that don't, don't focus on the colocalciferol, the vitamin D3, focus on the active, vitamin, the active um, 125 hydroxy, it's actually a little bizarre because parathyroid hormone, again, the thing that you do not want elevated, turns on an enzyme called, I think it's called 1-alpha hydroxylase, 
that makes the 125 hydroxy active vitamin D. So long story short, um, the bug in here, um, long story short, the parathyroid hormone, which nobody is arguing is good to have elevated, turns on the active vitamin D, the kind that they're saying to focus on. And the vitamin D3 supplementation turns off the parathyroid hormone and lowers the active vitamin D. So again, for the, if I understand their argument correctly, maybe not. If, if I do, they would have to argue that parathyroid hormone was good to have elevated, which I think is like a ludicrous argument and nobody would make that argument. And so, I don't know, the health, like you've been in the health world long enough. Some, like there, there seems to be um, things that ebb and flow, you know, vitamin K is good one day and then it's bad the next day. The one thing I will say, I'll, I'll never vouch for an oral supplement. I think Ray and I did a podcast in 2016 where we talked about how every supplement is a potential powerful allergen. And if you have sensitive digestion, the smallest thing could kind of inflame the intestine. And I have, I have no trouble believing that. So if somebody's saying, hey, Danny, what you just said is interesting, but I've tried vitamin D supplements and they made me feel terrible. I would say I totally believe you, but maybe trying it on your skin and the Carlson vitamin D3 is the kind I've used kind of historically on my skin. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it works fairly well. And so again, one other thing, if a person didn't believe this or they thought it was nonsense, if you measured your parathyroid hormone and your prolactin and your vitamin D, I think it would be fairly easy to see that when the vitamin D was supplemented and a person ate more calcium, the parathyroid hormone and prolactin would just fall fall pretty quickly. And so- yeah, did that make any any sense? Mm. Well, I think it's, just, it, it's interesting. You know, you hear people are just talking about it a lot. And what about you know he's a big on supplementing magnesium, um, yeah. but he's also a low carb guy. And you know, Emma, it's one thing I love about Emma is, she, and she's not, of course, anti supplement. She's like use supplements as needed, but she's always you know you've got to fix the system, Kitty. Like fix thyroid function because when thyroid's low, you waste magnesium, you waste salt. So you should, when your thyroid function is good, obviously be able to just get enough from the food. But obviously, you know, when someone's very depleted, I think initially it can be helpful, but she's very much, you know, against long-term supplementation of magnesium, different forms of magnesium. Yeah. So again, I haven't seen every Morley uh, interview or anything. I I don't know every idea he has or anything like that. Um, yeah, we were talking a little bit before this, but like I had used magnesium bicarbonate, I think in 2014, 15, it, mm-hmm. it gave me like hypotension. So like um, made, made me dizzy standing up. And then there has never been a form of magnesium that didn't give me bowel problems. And so that's actually why I was attracted to Ray's idea of using uh, coffee for magnesium, because mm-hmm. it's just like a food that contains high amounts of magnesium if you make strong coffee. And like you said, how I understand it is that the kind of the delicate balance between ions inside and outside the cell is being regulated by uh, thyroid hormone and the production of carbon dioxide. And so uh, apparently there's more sodium and calcium outside the cell and there's more potassium and magnesium inside the cell. And that whole uh, ion balance is is, uh, orchestrated by the energy flowing through the system and the production of carbon dioxide. And so I think... uh, Actually, I don't want to go there because I'm not sure if he's actually said or not. But the one thing I will say, I don't think it's good to have a bunch of magnesium in your blood. Georgie and I talked about this on one of our live streams. But since magnesium is an intracellular ion, if you measure it in the blood and it's very high, that means your cells are losing magnesium. Like it's not, it's supposed to be inside the cell. And so it, I think it would need like a tissue analysis or, or biopsy or something to measure it. I don't think it, there's a very good test for magnesium. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, you know, I was talking to Keith 
last week because we were talking about the operation and, you know, he's he's very much to, like, look at the symptoms first and then, you know, try and obviously improve things with food and then blood tests if things aren't working. Um, you know, said you can even just see a lot of things from the symptoms. You know, you don't even need the blood test to confirm what you can already see. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the other thing. Sometimes um, I, I almost recommend blood tests and things for the person, <laughs> not because I'm specifically interested in like what they what they say. You know, I am I'm a little bit interested, but I think again that's that's part of promoting uh, autonomy and agency with the person and self knowledge because because again, like you can't ignore a low body temperature or a low pulse rate. You can't. You also kind of can't ignore like a super high prolactin level or a vitamin D deficiency. And so again, bringing those things to the surface, I think help a person navigate their own life and their own problems. And hopefully they develop their own toolbox to be able to fix those things. And whatever is in that toolbox is probably specific to them. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. It's fascinating. We could probably go on uh, for hours about <laughs> looking at the time, uh, con- conscious of the time, but that was so awesome, Danny. Thank you so much. Um, oh, Kitty, thanks for having me. Pleasure. For coming on, for coming on, everyone. I will drop the links to Danny's, what we've got, YouTube, Facebook, what else? His Patreon link. Have I missed anything? Uh, oh, and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you purposely have, because I notice when I look at your Instagram stories, you can't like message you. Do you purposely have that off? I, I didn't know I had that off. Oh, uh, I thought, oh, that would be like Danny's. Video, so he probably. <laughs> I don't actually check my DMs on there. And so, yeah, so I would, if people that message me on Instagram just email me, I would reply yeah. to them. But I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have so many it, because it's the way me, the Instagram handles the messaging. It's just yeah. very, it's uh, kind of annoying to have the, that one next to the, the icon. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I've been sharing about the boob jobs. Oh my God. Like there's like hundreds and hundreds, which is so lovely. Like people messaging me saying good luck and, hope you're recovering well, but yeah, it's like, I need a fucking person, a full-time person to just, yeah, my, <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. My, my email is Danny at Danny Roddy. If somebody has some uh, question, but um, yeah. yeah, it's Instagram, all the, besides my email, every other format or Twitter is also good a, a messaging apparatus, but yeah. Okay. Oh, and I'll drop you Twitter. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much, um, Danny. It was awesome as always. And uh, we'll get you on soon. I just lost your sound. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. now I can. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just saying goodbye and thanks again. And, and uh, we'll have you on the show again soon. <laughs>